0: 52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the Health Ability Project.
1: Hi, welcome to the Healthability Project. I'm Robin McKenna. All of us at some point in our lives will find ourselves in a situation or state of existence we really don't want to be in. Sometimes things that were a good fit become a bad fit. Career, significant others, relationships with family or friends all come to mind. We soldier on though for a variety of reasons. Obligations to others, fear of judgment, lack of resources to make a change, or simply because we just don't know how to extricate ourselves from that situation. And oftentimes, we don't even really realize we're in this less than happy place. But we see it and feel it. Physical illnesses bubble up. And right behind that are often symptoms such as insomnia, anxiety, depression, and irritability. Here to share her story of how her overall health and well being were affected by a less than optimal state of existence and how she got through it is Heather Markell. Heather Markell is a certified professional coach, a New York Times featured full time travel and business coach, who is herself a full time traveler. Heather quit her 25 plus year corporate career in 2017 expecting to take a three to six month career break to travel the world. Instead, she found her calling and almost six years later, she's been to 33 countries on six continents, including being marooned in New Zealand two years during the pandemic. She's now a best-selling author and a TEDx speaker. Heather helps her clients to transition to the full-time travel lifestyle by teaching them the mindset, money and mastery skills they need to ditch their desk and discover their destiny through full-time travel. Thanks so much for joining me today, Heather. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. Very excited. This is your story is really really interesting from so many standpoints and I I find it just so inspirational as well because you found yourself in a situation that was less than optimal and you, you, you did the brave thing, which a lot of us really can't or don't do. And you, you pretty much ripped the bandaid off and said, that's it. I'm done. I'm making a change. So tell
0: us, tell us about this. Although I would say, I don't think I ripped the bandaid off. I feel like it was one of those slow, like, (laughs) um, yeah. So let's see. I, I was really unhappy for a long time. You know, I I started at, at age 16. I lived with a host family in Normandy, France, um, went there speaking rudimentary French, and after a month with them, essentially became fluent in French, felt like I had found a whole new culture, a whole new family, and a whole new experience living there. And I, I just came back from that, like, wow, you know, this is a whole piece of life I want, I want to explore, but of course I had to go to college and then I had to get a job and I bought into what we all do that we're supposed to work nine to five or 80 hours a week, depending, um, and then get married and then have kids. and So I tried that normal life and I ended up, um, you know, in a career that excited me for a while, but then didn't, and I couldn't figure out where to go. And then I got married and I was just miserable, Um, just married the wrong person for me and got to a point where, like you said, it would have been easier. And that's what I said when I asked for a divorce. I said it would have been easier to stay married, but I didn't think it was better. Mm -hmm. And the catalyst for that was years of ping-ponging emotions between my head and my heart Resulting in two herniated discs in my neck, mm-hmm. which was, I think to date, uh, the most excruciating pain I've ever heard, mm-hmm. or, like ever ever felt in my life, and um, you know it's pain that I still have on it, not not to that degree, but you know it's a reminder, like you said earlier, that if we have strong emotions and we don't deal with them, they become physical symptoms. So once I was divorced, I was free to see that oh gosh, I'm really unhappy at work, too. Like, this is another area I've been kind of sticking it out because I feel like I have to. Quick question. When
1: you got divorced, did you feel some kind of physical or emotional relief or release? Did you notice any... Did did the pain in your neck diminish?
0: Well, I mean, I got the pain in the neck treated, but I will say I I dropped three dress sizes um, pretty quickly. (laughs) I got... (laughs) I was just happy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> because literally I felt, I felt emotionally like I was carrying around, Um, uh, he was a bit depressed too. And I was, I felt like I was carrying his depression. So when we got divorced, I was like, Oh my God, I was literally yeah. carrying around other stuff that doesn't belong with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was really hard. And then when I realized I was unhappy at work. I did all the stuff I was supposed to do. I tried therapy. I tried, you know, volunteering, um, after work activities, uh, trying to like look into graduate school classes. I did everything. And all that did was make me feel like I was pulling myself in 15 directions. I even started my business coach business where I was like out earning my corporate salary in that. And then I was like, you know, but to do that, I had to burn out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one day, um, I, you know, every year for years, I would say, all right, January, this is the year I'm going to quit my job this year. And I'm going to go and, you know, do something. Originally I was going to quit for my business. Um, and then, you know, I get to December and it hadn't happened and I'd be depressed for a week and then January would come and I'd be like, all right. New year. This was my year. And then after that cycle, um, I got to January of 2017. And that one week depression from December was still with me and has now been a month that I'm depressed. And I started feeling a pain in my chest. Was the depression about the fact
1: that you had once again not done what you said you were going to do or or was it something else?
0: Yeah, it was both. I think that I it was like a broken record. I'm listening to myself say this, let myself down again Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do. And so, yeah, I think the two just came together.
1: It's interesting just to take a step back, what you said earlier about you were miserable at work and you tried all these other things, but you know, at the crux, the crux of the issue was still there. You still had to get up every day and go to this place that was not serving you any longer and you had to do it you, even even though you had all these distractions outside of work that that obviously helped but you still had to go and spend 9 10 maybe 12 hours every day in a state of misery
0: yeah and and don't get me wrong i mean unlike i was very lucky i mean i had um a nice boss my mm-hmm. colleagues were nice the job was pretty easy So you know, I'm just. I think I just felt after a while. But I've got this other skill set and this other passions, and they just have no use here. This Mm -hmm. is like a check your personality at the door, do your work, Mm
1: -hmm. smile,
0: move along, kind of place. And I needed something different. So really, when that pain in my chest happened in 2017, and recalled how I had let myself down again, I flipped immediately to the pain that I felt in my neck when I didn't deal with the emotions of my marriage. And I said, Oh no, I am not doing this again. I am not turning this pain into a physical ailment. Nope. I'm out. And that was it. Hmm. So I just committed that year. I said, I'm going. And I said, I I said, I'm going to, I'm going to quit this year. I'm not sure when, Mm -hmm. but along the way I need to test myself. And I'm going to get like let life throw me circumstances and I'm going to see if I'm actually really ready for this. And that's what I did.
1: <laughs> how, how did you do that? Did you do, do like test traveling
0: or. So the situations that came up where I went to Iceland for the second time that January, the first time I had gone was for a long like a like a weekend, basically. And I wanted to see the Northern Lights, but you know, there's, they're very unpredictable. (laughs) So I didn't see them. And so this time I booked a week and I saw the lights and it was the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. So I just was like, when it came time to go, I I thought, I don't want to go. And there was a, like a 25 inch snowstorm hit Iceland. So I'm like, Oh good. They'll cancel the flights. Nope. (laughs) They're probably Um,
1: experts at snow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Snow, wind, everything. So, um, so I'm like I go to the airport and I'm like, "Oh, does somebody need a seat? I'm happy to give up my seat." Like I I wanted someone else. Like that was a lot of my life. I wanted someone else to hear my desire and make it happen. I didn't want to be the one to make it happen, you know? So it was a, it was a uh, an issue. <laughs> um so I ended up flying home. I felt like I was doing the wrong thing. I actually they asked me to swap seats. Like I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't be on this flight. I shouldn't be going home. And then I had to give my seat away. And Mm. it's just like, and then I got home and I felt like I'm just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I I think I need to go back. And I looked at the forecast for the Northern Lights the next night and it was so good that I knew that if I weren't there, if I wasn't there, I would be really upset. So I basically, for the first time in my life, booked a return trip, like within hours and just jumped on another plane back to Iceland, called my boss. I was like, Hey, I was supposed to be in tomorrow. Nope. It's going to be a couple more days. Wow. And then called my mom and said, yeah, I'm turning around, driving back to the airport. <laughs> wow. So for me, that was, that was a big, crazy thing to do. And the great thing is I do feel like you get rewarded when you take these risks. Cause I, I use miles to book the flight. So I like sat down, had a nice row to myself, meet, meet a guy in the row behind me. And I think I'm crazy. I think I had booked this flight like eight hours in advance. This guy booked the same flight three hours in advance for mm-hmm. the same reason. He just wanted to go see the Northern Lights. So um, um, he came with me on the tour that I had booked and um, we saw the Northern Lights. So yeah, we saw them dance too. Like the first time I saw them, they were just very surreal and calm and beautiful. And this time they were just really active. So that was one. The second thing was during that week in Iceland, I met a Spanish guy and we ended up like staying up to like four in the morning talking and we stayed in touch for like six months. And I went and and he asked me to come see him for a weekend. So I was like, this is pretty crazy because really I knew him for a few days in person and the rest of it was an online Mm -hmm. relationship that in some ways isn't real, you know? Right. But I went and um, the relationship obviously didn't work out. <laughs> but um, for me, it was a big test, right? Like I stepped, you know, test number two. Like, I know this is weird. I can't believe it, but I'm going to do it. And then the third test was the hardest. And that was telling my mother that I was going to quit my job and go travel full time. So I ended up getting her drunk and I <laughs> told her. <laughs>
1: Great strategy.
0: (laughs) Yep. And it went really, really well. And then the next day she sobered up and she started for the next few weeks, she would give me almost every day a reason, a new reason I shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. Let me guess: health insurance, 401k, retirement savings. Career that, you know, but all kinds of stuff. And I started realizing as she would toss these things out at me, I said, oh, yeah, these are not my fears. Oh, I'm Mm -hmm. like, and so what she helped me do by throwing out these fears was these aren't mine. Like I I'm, I'm ready. So, but by the time I got to telling my boss, I was quitting, it was the most anticlimactic moment. I I was like, I thought this was going to be a big deal, but it wasn't. (laughs) Wow. And
1: did you, I mean, the joy, obviously you must've felt, but just the physical feeling must've been amazing.
0: I don't think I noticed it till I started my first trip. It was like, I was proud of myself, but the feeling in my body came when I finally, I was picking where to go when you can go anywhere is a whole, <laughs> you know, it's, you no longer are, are worried about, Oh, well, Africa is so far away. I only oh, two weeks. Oh, I have forever. It's not two weeks. <laughs> yeah, like it's a whole different thing. So, um, I chose Costa Rica. And when I was online for immigration, I never in my life before have my heart sang. I've never felt that Hmm. before. Literally, my heart was like singing. And I heard my heart say, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Wow. And how long did you stay
0: in Costa Rica? So. Interestingly, I had, I had six weeks for that first trip because I had to come back for jury duty. And so me being in the vacation mentality at that time, I thought six weeks is forever. So I was like two weeks in Costa Rica, two weeks in Peru, two weeks in Argentina. That was my plan. And then I was just loving Costa Rica. So I'm like, why would I leave? So instead, I did something like about five weeks in Costa Rica and a few days in Panama and a few days in Nicaragua,
1: okay, Wow. And it just I would imagine that, you know, you know, you said you thanked yourself while you're standing on line for immigration into Costa Rica that the strength must have just continued to build. You know, you were proud of yourself. you you made this change scary in some ways, right? Because, you know, to leave the security of a full-time job with benefits and, you know, a roof over your head (laughs) and just get out there and and really be on your own, did you, it must have been an extraordinary feeling,
0: experience, emotions physically. So again, I, it, for me, it's sort of built up over time because the first two weeks, again, it was like being on vacation. Right. And it was at that two week mark where I suddenly realized, oh, I'm not flying home to go back to work. What am I doing? (laughs) um, And I also think that we are always tested when we do step out into something like to see how badly we want it. And so I was trying, I had met this lovely couple from Canada on one of my bus rides and I, we agreed to meet and I was now in a place called Corcovado National Park, which is sort of like, I know really I've remote. Been there. you've been okay. there. Okay. okay. Yes. So, you know, bad Wi-Fi Cause you're like, yeah. like in the national park. Um, and so, you know, there was like, I was sleeping on the, in a tent on the beach. The manager was really unhelpful. So I, I had to figure out how to meet them. So this whole horrible experience of figuring that out, I couldn't do it. I was like, the only ways to get to them were a dangerous sounding overnight bus ride or a very expensive flight. Mm -hmm. So I, at that point, had a meltdown and seriously considered packing and just going back to New York and asking for my job back because I was like, if I can't figure this out, this is, you remember... I, I've all my life, I've been working in corporate and I've had vacation and, and you know, on vacation, you get one or two weeks and you pre-plan the heck out of it. Cause you don't have time and you got to see as much as possible, you know? So now, right. So now I'm like, I, and I, that's how I approached the first two weeks of my trip to Costa Rica. And thank God, before I left, I stopped myself. And I said, wait, if I'm pre-planning everything, I don't, I don't get to experience, go with the flow travel. Right. Um, which when I look back is actually quite brave because I could have. There's plenty of people that do pre-plan the whole thing. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, but I want to see what I'm made of, you know? And so so here I am at that two week mark. I've got it's a last night of pre-booked plans and I got nothing and I, I don't know what I'm doing. And that was that pivotal moment where I was like, I thought I was gonna just give up. <laughs> um and right in like I was crying and like right in the middle of this pity party some voice of inner wisdom just said, Heather, instead of trying to figure out how to get where you can't go, why don't you see where you can go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, who said that? That's so smart. <laughs> so, um, and that's how, like, then I was like, oh, well, the boat takes me here and there's a bus and the first stop is this place called Uvita, I'll go there. <laughs> like, you know, and that really... Changed the game of travel for me. And that's when I was like, oh, like, then I started to be like, oh, okay, I got some skills here. I can, I can do this. And I remember the first six to 12 months of this experience. I think I wrote a blog post. Um, I felt more proud of myself and more accomplished than mm. my entire corporate career. Wow. You know, I I did things like I ziplined. I didn't know what ziplining was before I went to Costa Rica. And then when I heard it was holding on to a string thousands of feet above the air and like you might die. I'm like, that's just dumb. And then I did it. And I'm like, okay, I don't know that I need to do it again, but I did it. Like there's there, check that off, you know. And I was like, wow, look at all I've done that I would never have accomplished if I didn't step out of my corporate career, you know? So
1: you know, I think you make an incredibly valid point in that. You know, you said earlier, you got back from your study abroad as as a high school student um, and you bought into the, I have to go to college, I have to get a job, I have to have a career. And we we get lulled into that sense of buying into things. And here you are so proud of yourself for for things that have nothing to do with any of that.
0: Yep. That's the irony, you know, and, and part of that was um, there was that great book, uh, I forget the name of it, but um, a woman interviewed um, patients in hospice care about their five biggest regrets. Mm -hmm. And I very much was present before I quit to the fact that I kept having these horrible visions of me being 90, um, looking back at my life and wondering what if, what would have happened if I had had the courage to quit and do this? Yeah. And I just was like, I don't I don't want to be that person because I know I. when I quit that year, I knew and I told it, one of my friends, I said, if I don't quit this year, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm going to actually go the other way. And I'm going to start making peace with the fact that I didn't have the courage to do it. And I'm just going to continue onwards.
1: Do you have any regrets on maybe missing out on some of the ordinary things that that you are missing out on because you are in another country and away from family and friends like birthdays or other milestones or other types of celebrations. And I think of that because, uh, you know, just this past weekend I was at somebody's 50th birthday party and it was a lot of fun and, you know, to see somebody turn 50 and, you know, so simple things like that, you're not really there for regular life things. What is your take on that?
0: Yeah. Um, it depends. I mean, first off, I have I have a fairly small family. So sadly my stepdad passed away a year ago and thank you know I've been stuck in New Zealand and I was making my way back with, you know, I'm like, oh God, I have to wear a mask on the plane. And it seems like a really long time to like go through 30 or 50 hours of like wearing a mask on all the stuff. So I broke up the trip. Mm-hmm. Um and I thankfully made it back and was able to spend his last two weeks with him. So, and I think the, the pandemic was an anomaly, I hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. but that was, yeah, that was hard like during those two years. But I think it is hard to miss some of the family things, although to be fair, like I said, I have a small family. I don't know that we do a lot of big family things that I would, that I was missing. <laughs> I can't, I always came back for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, so like holiday stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss because yeah, I, I did feel that that was a time I wanted to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say if I had, um, you know, like my brother's about to turn 30. So, um, hopefully when I can, he's going to pick somewhere in the world to go. And if I can make it, I'm going to go, you know? So, um, I think, I think you make some of them and then the other ones I try to stay in touch with by zoom or, um, something more regular and, and, make sure that we stay connected in a different way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I would say so, certainly sometimes like you have a, there's like your good friends that you miss that close contact with. Um, mm-hmm. And then as you travel, usually you also meet some great people along the way. So then you have your travel friends too. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. You get to uh, build a, a a wider community of, of people you choose, right? Yes,
0: exactly. Which
1: is Which is a nice, nice reward.
0: Yes. I agree. <laughs> so what's next? Uh, next up, actually, I'm going to Malaysia in a couple of weeks and uh, planning South Korea. And then I always, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I want to meet up with you. And I'm like, I want that too, but I don't know what I'm doing exactly. And you're going to want an exact date and an itinerary. And I'm t- like right now, I'm like, okay, Malaysia, South Korea, but I also, uh, a friend who. I'm a travel friend, right, who I only know in the context of this is another really cool thing that happens. I've met great people online. Um, I, I have a podcast series where I stopped doing them, but I, I interviewed like 25 other people who quit after 40 to go travel. And so um, I met one of these ladies I met in Italy last summer, which was for the first time. And another of them who I really want to meet is in Asia right now. We're missing each other in Kuala Lumpur just by days. And she's going to Sri Lanka. And I'm like, who knows? Maybe I'll just like fly to Sri Lanka for a little bit. I don't know. So we'll see what happens.
1: And while you're on the road, you're working, you're doing your coaching and and helping other people to realize this this similar dream of of just being a full time traveler and living life. Yeah, so
0: I do that. I do the coaching and I also do travel writing. So that's very handy. (laughs) Okay. Um, So those have been the um, main sources of income. I'm actually also really close to a thousand subscribers on YouTube, which is when you can start monetizing it. So, um, yeah. So I've been working hard at that and I'll hopefully cross that threshold this year and add that to the ways that I'm making money (laughs) while I travel.
1: Great. Yeah. I guess that's the key kind of make money as you travel. Yes. Well, thank you, Heather. This has been such a great conversation, inspirational in so many ways. I'm excited. I I (laughs) want (laughs) to, I want to do this. So thanks very much for sharing your story. And it's, it's, it's a really lighthearted one because, you know, we, like I said, we all go through these points in our life where we're, we feel stuck or we're just going through something that's not serving us. And, and just to have an example of somebody who did something about it and the incredible outcome that that you've had is, is not only just that you're traveling the world, but, you know, like you said, the fact that you thanked yourself and how you felt about making that decision. And you knew then it was the right decision, that you made the right choice. And, you know, that's not always easy for all of us, especially if you have children or if you're taking care of elderly parents. It's not for everyone, but hopefully people listening can gain some level of inspiration and and, uh, perspective on how they might be able to rectify their own less than happy place that they might be in. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And I hope that too. I hope it was inspirational and just know that, you know, I, I think the journey of following our heart is is difficult because our heart usually wants something that to our brain is very illogical. <laughs> yeah. So um, but our heart always puts us where we need to be in in the best place for us,
1: right. right. Well, thanks again. Listeners, hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. If so, please like us, share us, and tell your friends about us. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, you can email me at the Healthability Project. At gmail.com. Thanks very much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for joining us today at the Health Ability Project. We'd love to hear from you. So please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests to the HealthAbility Project at gmail.com. And please like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.